It is indeed eight minutes after 10 o'clock. Thank you so much for joining us. We are going to forego the traditional hour, uh, top of the hour open of uh, President Reagan so that we have more time with our guests. Very pleased to welcome now on this Friday, the first morning of the month of May, which was supposed to be Liberation Day for many Ohioans and Ohio businesses. Didn't turn out to work out that way, but uh, it's my privilege to welcome Lieutenant Governor John Husted to our program on AM 1420, The Answer. Lieutenant Governor Husted, good to have you back here in Cleveland. How are you? I'm doing uh, as well as any lieutenant governor can during a pandemic. There we go. Uh, yeah, I fine. can understand that, especially especially in a situation like the one that you are in, where you are. In fact, let me ask you this real briefly, very briefly, because I have so many important issues to get to here. But how do you how are you receiving your job right now? What I mean by that is, you know. Governor Mike DeWine doesn't even seem to have very much to do right now because Amy Acton is kind of calling all the shots. So if the governor doesn't really have much to say except to follow the orders by law of Amy Acton, I, I wonder how you feel your contribution to all of this is being received, or, uh, to, to all of this uh, is being received by the governor, uh, by Amy Acton, et cetera. Well, look, the governor is absolutely in charge of the whole situation. Uh, you know, Dr. Acton is the health director the law requires her to be the one that signs the orders, but there's nothing, you know, that she's putting in place that the governor uh, doesn't, doesn't approve of. So I want to be clear about that. But as far as my role, I've, I've sort of taken on the role uh, that matches sort of my background and instincts is I'm, I'm trying to work on the, the business side of this, both from an employee point of view where we get a lot of concern about is it going to be safe to work, all, uh, all of those kinds of things, to the business point of view of people who want to open up and, and want to, you know, go back to work. Uh, and, and then, you know, just, just I'm trying to work in on the reopen phase of this and, and go as fast as I can, knowing that we're going to have health officials who are going to constantly – uh, want to be cautious about it. So I'm, I'm that's, and, and, and that's the reason my, for my question. Uh, if I may, uh, and, and by the way, I apologize for any interrupting I do. It's not too interrupted. It's just to make sure we get all of the uh, follow-up questions in in the short period of time we have together. But Lieutenant Governor Husted, that that's, boy, um, let, let me start with this. Let me start with the uh, the uh, order yesterday to that was supposed to expire today, and we're going to extend that. Originally, it was a 15-day order. We're supposed to uh, have a 15-day uh, shelter in place so we don't overrun the health system with a ton of people reporting to the hospitals with COVID symptoms. So we had to flatten that curve, we were told. Then 15 days later, they said, yeah, we're going to do it for another 30 for the entire month of April. But then on May 1st, we'll be good. Okay, so May 1st comes today. And yesterday they said, yeah, we're going to go to May 29th and extend it again. The curve has been beyond flattened. I mean, it's it's pavement. It's it, it's it's not there. We have done the goal that was set for us. Why? What possible reason is there now to shut down where our hospitals are empty? Uh, healthcare workers are being laid off because there's no patients. So the, we met our goal. The curve was flattened, uh, and, and and yet they extended it again. Why? Well, look, there's there's a lot to that. First first of all, there's a lot of new things in this that are opened up. Uh, the state, the, the, I think, the new title of it, "Safer at Home," because it's we're really the language is try trying to dictate to people that that look, you should stay at home if you can, uh, but. But the but it bottom say line if you can. is, it says is stay there at are home. so many things. Well, it, it actually, it, 
Well, the title Dr. of Dr. Acton said that her, I, no, I, I, if I, I may, Dr. Acton said that her original order that was written on April 2nd is extended to May 29th. So, you know, and it says with, uh, with certain exceptions, yes. But the general order is still well, shelter in place at home. There. Go ahead. Um, look, it, I, this is my personal opinion because I'm not going to defend Dr. Acton's language and those kinds of things. She's, she, she can do that, and I don't know exactly what she said, but I'll just, I can only speak for myself. I don't want people to do this because it's in some order. Uh, I want them to do this out of respect for one another because if we if we stay safe, if we do, do these practices of the of the distancing and wearing masks around other people and washing our hands and doing that kind of stuff, um, then we're going to get through this faster and we'll be able to open up other things faster. Uh, and what look, does that I'm, mean? I'm, I'm, what I'm does that mean faster? If, if I may, to... Lieutenant Governor, what does that mean? Because we keep being told that if we did it for 15 days, we'll be, be able to reopen. Then if we did it for another 30, I mean, she can keep doing this in perpetuity. She has full on authority here. And you even said a moment ago that Governor DeWine is signing off on everything that she says. He's in control, but he is no, signing off on everything she he's says. Re- he's responsible for it. I said he, he, he is not, he owns it. He will, he will own it. He will take responsibility for it. Okay. That's what I said. Um, but you know, let's, when you ask the question, what does that mean? It means this, that if the, if the data, if we start, cause look over the last three days, the data has gone back up. It has start to, to move up where we're having more cases, more hospitalizations and more things along those lines. And but so we are not we overrunning the health centers. The hospitals are not in you danger. That was the reason for me, the order, though, please sir. Let me, please let me finish. I'll answer your question. I, I can't speak for Amy Acton. I can speak for myself, okay? Uh, that's You asked the question about what it means. That's what it means. It means that if we don't have these problems, if we continue to take the personal responsibility that, that we need to take, then we will, we will not see the health data spike. And then we will, and then people who want to open things up faster, like me, will have the data justification for doing it. And that's why, you know, that's what that means to me. Okay. What, what, see, this is the part that's frustrating for a lot of us. We have the data justification. Dr. Acton's initial orders were written on the press, the, 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 uh, um, uh, the predicate that we were going to have. 100,000 active cases in Ohio at the very time she said so in early March, then predicting using models that were extraordinarily wrong and flawed that we would have a peak of 98,000 new cases per day, okay? That's what the orders were originally written on. That predicate, that assumption that that was going to happen. Well, here we are, you know, six weeks later, we only have 17,000 cases documented total in the state of Ohio. She said 98,000 a day. So what I'm asking, sir, is how the government can continue to establish its policy based on the old assumptions that the old orders were written on when the current data is nowhere near. I mean, it's it's just a joke. It's not even in the same realm as what she predicted, and that's what she wrote the original orders on. You would think that those orders would be torn up because they were based on so, something that was not so accurate. You, write new like ones now response, that are based on accuracy. If you'd like to hear my response, yes, I'll give you my response of what I think. I, I can't speak for what Dr. Acton thinks. You should have Dr. Acton on your Yeah, show but aren't you guys on a team, Dr. Acton. I, I, I'm, if you want to hear what I have to 
say about it. Well, I'm no, I do, but you keep saying you can't speak for Dr. Acton, but are you not part of that team, though? I mean, when Dr. Acton makes her recommendations, or actually her orders, do you and Governor DeWine talk to her about it and say, okay, but what about A, B, C, D, and E and your other concerns? Or, or is it just kind of yes, like, hey, I do. she speaks I, look, for herself, I, she's on I, her own? I will help you make your case. I will okay. help you make your case. Okay, go okay, ahead. Because this is the kind of stuff that I say all the time. All right. I, I say, statistically speaking, this is very dangerous for people who are over 65 and who have health issues. If you're under, if you're under 30 in particular, or if you're under 50, uh, the statistics show that it is, it is not a health threat to you at the level that it is to somebody who is in these other categories. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I, these are the things that, these are the cases that I make every day. Uh, I will tell you that uh, I'm putting together the group of people who will put the protocols together on how we can open up restaurants and, and hair care as soon as possible. Uh, that we'll have that, we'll have that by sometime early next week. Today, in today's order, while we can focus on the stay at home language, all, almost, almost all major aspects of the economy will be open in this order. Manufacturing, construction, distribution, all of those things. The only things that, the only things that will remain closed are restaurants, uh, hair care facilities, uh, daycares, and, and, and some other things like, you know, large gatherings. But everything else is open. Yeah, and I would and also add to that schools. I would also add to that schools, which is another issue that I do want to talk to you about uh, in a moment. But let's stay on this, and let's combine your uh, points just now about some things that are being opened up as of May 12th, some things that are allowed to uh, uh, to resume operations to a limited extent. Although, as you say, uh, restaurants and bars and, and beauty places and daycare centers and, and all these things are still uh, going to be closed. But let's combine that with what my point was about the stay-at-home order. What good does it do? I just want to look at this from a logical perspective. For Dr. Acton to say some of these things will open on May 12th, but the stay-at-home order remains. How can those two things coexist? What's the point of opening things if you're telling people don't leave your houses? Look, that's you can read the stay-at-home order that way. That's not how I read the, the latest version of the stay-at-home order. The stay-at-home order says basically you should stay at home, but then you have all of these other exemptions of things that you can go out and do. Okay, uh, I don't know the stay-at-home yeah, order. Yeah, but, yeah, but sir, but, but sir, one of those prevent, exemptions but, is not but, retail but, shopping. But please let me please let me finish. What you asked the question, let me finish my answer. Is that you have to have the large gathering language in there? Because the, the one thing that, that, that is the biggest problem from a health point of view is when you have large gatherings where people come from a variety of different places and then they go back out uh, to their homes and to their places of business, and that's how you, you increase the spread. So the stay-at-home order is largely designed to prevent large gatherings. That's what it's about. Um, let me ask you about about risk. Um, and, and I'm glad to hear that you're kind of trying to make my point for me. I, I once again will point to the fact that it appears as though Dr. Acton isn't considering any of those points. She is one. Of, in fact, Bill Seitz said yesterday, and I know you know Mr. Seitz, obviously. Uh, he said yeah, yesterday. Yeah, and, and, and he said that Amy Acton has tunnel vision, and that's appropriate for her job as director of health, but she is only looking at this through the lens of, of, uh, public health, and that is dealing with COVID. Now, I would argue she's not even looking at all of public health because she's looking at only COVID patients as being the the most important considerations, rather than the overdoses, the suicides, the uh, uh, the depression, the anxiety, the the things, the the poverty that is being created by one million Ohioans losing their jobs. 
But but Bill Seitz said that Governor DeWine is listening to her almost exclusively, rather than perhaps to you, as you just said, you're kind of making some points for me and agree that we need to get this open faster. Bill Seitz says we need to get this, this stuff open faster. Why do you think it is that the governor is listening only to Dr. Acton and not people like you and people like Mr. Seitz? Well, well, first of all, I think the governor is listening to everybody. I, I honestly, look, Mike DeWine is is one of the best listeners of anybody I've ever met in life. He, he listens to all points of view. Understand, he gets he gets a lot of this, too. He gets the fact that there are a lot of people who are worried to go back to work because of their health issues and things like that. That's another aspect of this. You know, wants to keep nurses safe, wants to keep nursing homes safe, places like that where we have frontline frontline workers that we've got to, we've got to take care of. So there's that. But uh, there's also the other side of the health aspect, which you pointed to, which Bill Seitz, you mentioned Bill Seitz, and I talked about this several times, mm-hmm. that, that there's, you know, look, from an epidemiolo- epidemiological point of view, if that's what you're focused on, then, then you're going to be focused on just what happens with COVID. But health issues are dynamic, and there is a consequence on the other side, which is a point I keep trying to make, that when the unemployment rate goes up, so does suicide, so does depression, so does drug addiction, so do all, the, all these other things. And, and, and that worldview also is important to make sure that we don't, we don't overdo it on the side of restrictions at the cost of these other things. And, and I make that point every day. Uh, I believe does Governor that that, DeWine get that, that though? That, that, yes, he does. He absolutely does. He said this the other day in the news conference. And, and, and as, as we're progressing, things are moving along. We will, we will be opening up more and more things. That may, this is another important thing. That in, in, the, in the stay at home or safer at home order, as it's now called, there's a date of May 29th. That's just when that order expires. It's going to be amended between then to account for all of these other things that are going to need to, to come back online as we move forward. So that, that date should not, it should not be a date that, that anybody looks at and goes, well, does that mean restaurants aren't going to open until then or other things? No, it does not mean that. Uh, and so I just that's an important point that I think I need to make for your listeners. What, what uh, needs to so happen, Lieutenant Governor Houston? What, what needs to happen between now and May 29th, that specifically now, as specific as you can be, that would preclude Dr. Acton from extending it again? Um, and I mean specifically, are we looking at death totals? Are we looking at, at where are we looking at case numbers? Are we looking at I, I, I what, think, what, what, I think what will make her the, happy enough to say Ohio can open up again in full? Well, again, I'm not going to speak for her, but I will speak. For, uh, I will give you my perspective. The, the health data just needs, just needs to, to basically show that we're getting through this. Right now, what I'm working on, that, you know, on the restaurant piece, on the hair care piece, on a lot of these things to make sure we got the how right so that we know what the proper safety protocol should be, all right? Once we have those right, then we'll be uh, in a position to uh, open those up sooner rather than later. But what do those all, mean? All, the, the data looks good, though. Look, the health data looks good. What, what health experts will say is they'll say, well, now that we're opening these things up, we can expect a, a, a a, a surge in cases. I don't know what surge means exactly, but I'll use the term that they use. Right. We'll have more of these coming happening. And, and what people who see the world like, you know, like you do, and I think you know, largely a lot of us who want to go and do things, what we want to be able to prove is that it, 
that the safety standards that we're practicing and the discipline of people to continue to practice social distancing and being responsible, that we can do all of these things without making uh, the coronavirus spread and costing us on the health side of things. So that's what we, that's what we're going to be looking at over the course of the next week. Uh, and you know, when we get to uh, when we get to this time next week, I hope there'll be a lot more good news that will have happened between now and then. Do Do you think, uh, Lieutenant Governor, that it's um appropriate and responsible for all of these decisions to be being made by an unelected health professional rather than somebody with experience in public policy as it pertains to economic concerns, uh, way of living, um, livelihoods, and so on. I mean, Dr. Fauci, for example, said it t- toward the beginning of this whole thing at the, at the federal level. He said, look, we're doctors. We always overshoot and assume the very worst. We always overshoot. And, and so that, that means that our state is being led right now, and again, this is not a dig at Mike DeWine, although I have criticized him extensively over this, but but she is the one making the orders, as she says, per Ohio law, 3701.13. She makes the calls here. And, and, and she is looking this from an overshoot perspective that Dr. Fauci admitted, that we always are going to assume the worst and make policy based on those worst assumptions. Well, the worst assumptions never came, so therefore, is it appropriate, in your opinion, to to have a health professional who always overshoots and assumes the worst making policy that is affecting one million Ohioans who have been laid off and unemployed in the last five weeks and and obviously millions more who depend upon them. Okay, two quick points. Okay. Uh, Governor DeWine is running the state, not Dr. Acton. He, he owns the responsibility for these issues, as he said time and time again. Uh, but the law, as it's presently written, uh, does not allow the governor to sign this order. It allows the health director to sign this order. So that's the reason Dr. Acton is the one who's the signator to these things is because the law says that that's how it works. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's the simple answer to that question. Well, though, I guess that was kind of the point, though. I guess, do you think that's wise? Uh, and, and, and if Governor DeWine disagrees with her, you're right. He can't counter her order because the way the law is written. I agree with you. Uh, but apparently well, you're saying Governor DeWine agrees he, with her orders. Otherwise, the one thing he could do is appoint a new director of health. If he really disagreed with her, he would say, no, she's wrong. We're going to look at this another way, and I'm going to appoint somebody else who has that authority. Yeah. Look, there are many. Look, the governor, the governor is accountable for those health orders, and he has said that many times. Uh, and, you know, but this is the way the law reads. you got to do it this way. Uh, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that I don't even know when this law was written, but I do believe I, I do believe. Look, here's here's two ways about it. Um, it is a it is a check on on politics when you have somebody who uh, who other than the governor who can sign something, but it's also a lack of accountability uh, to the public when something happens like that. I don't know why the law was written by that. I'm certainly we, certain we would be open uh, to the idea of looking at a at a more accountable way uh, to hold our elected officials accountable for the way that that law is uh, em, uh, employed in the state. Um, Lieutenant Governor John Husted, just one more quick thing. Um, you believe in freedom, yes? Obviously. Amen. Okay. Do you think the governor believes in yeah. freedom? Yeah. How I'm do wired. You, do you think Amy Acton believes in freedom? I do. Okay. Would you acknowledge? I want to ask the question, and, and then you can do whatever you want with okay. it. But sure. would you acknowledge 
that living with freedom, living free, and living risk-free are simply non-compatible, that we could ensure the safety of all Ohioans by locking them up in a germ-free plastic bubble that would guarantee them uh, safety, they'd be risk-free, but they wouldn't be free. Do, do, do the people in charge of our state understand that there is risk that comes with engaging in everyday life, and we cannot live our lives trying to be totally risk-free without sacrificing freedom? Go ahead. Well, first, absolutely. You, there, there, everything involves risk. I, I, have a, I, I often say this, you know, freedom and responsibility go hand in hand. Uh, it, it, to the extent that we are giving given more freedom in life is, is based on how responsible we can be. I mean, in our own households, I always use this with my children. It's like I give them more latitude when they prove they can handle it. Uh, in America, the Constitution gives us these rights. The Bill of Rights gives us these rights. And then we debate uh, between the lines about what that means exactly. How I'm wired, I'm wired toward freedom. I'm wired toward personal responsibility. I'm wired towards telling people, you know, here's what the rules are. Be accountable for them. I know other people view those things differently in the world. That's my worldview. That's what I'm. Uh, that's what I'm trying to bring to, to the discussion. Uh, and I and I have great confidence in Governor DeWine, uh, to, who was looking at all aspects of this and trying to balance that with also knowing that that people's health and safety also remain in his hands. And that's that's the traditional balance that we have, and that's why I love America. Because we have a process where the people, the, the people have a voice in it, and you know, I'm sure we've gotten a lot of things right. I'm sure we've gotten a lot of things wrong, but I believe that the, we're going to put a responsible way forward together that saves lives and livelihoods. Uh, and I'm trying to get that right every single day. The last thing that we didn't talk about was the schools. I mentioned it very briefly because we talk about the economy, we talk about the health aspect, but let's talk about the schools just for a second. Do you think that Ohio's kids and high school students are learning right now? Because, you know, for the last two months, I mean, I've got kids, and the parents of kids that I talk to and the other kids, uh, they're going crazy, and they can't learn by laptop. And, in fact, in many rural and urban areas where poverty is an issue and Wi-Fi signals are an issue, they may not even have laptops or Internet access. So I, shouldn't maybe the very first priority, or at least right up there with opening the economy, shouldn't, shouldn't opening our schools on time in August be the top priority? How do you feel about that? Uh, there's definitely an inequity in the learning that's going on. It's a big concern that the governor and I have. I can tell you my children are upstairs right now on Zoom uh, going to school. I have a seventh grader and a fifth grader. Uh, I, well, would their learning environment be better in a school setting? Uh, yeah, I think it would be. But, you know, they, our, school, our local school district has done a nice job uh, in handling this. Other, but every, every child's education is individual based on their teachers and their, and their schools, and I know that some are suffering more than others. But I will tell you that, um, that I really believe that it's important that we get the situation resolved for schools uh, for the fall. Uh, again, I will cite the statistic that I, I said earlier that this does not statistically seem to be affecting young people nearly as much as it affects older people. Right. Uh, I know the risk is, I know the risk is that those children go to school and maybe their caregiver is their grandparents and they're older and, and they come home and that's a threat to them. So the, the, you know, we need to have some, some ways to account for those situations to give, to, to protect those families because they may not have another choice. 
but for everybody else, uh, it, it's my hope that we will we will have a uh, and physically in school strategy for the fall. Yeah, I I it, I think it's essential. I, I don't think it's a it's a it should be an if. It has to be a how because it has to happen uh, for for a, a billion different reasons. Lieutenant Governor Husted, I don't yeah. ask easy questions. I know that, and I appreciate you answering them. I I talked with the governor two weeks ago. He declined to come back on again. I don't know if he didn't like my questions or what, but I really appreciate you coming on to do this. Um, these are some things that you're not getting at the briefings from the press that is in the uh, in the building, so they have to be asked at other times. So I appreciate you doing that. Yep, happy to do so. Thank, thank you very much. Hope we can call on you again. Yep. Yep. Take care. Lieutenant Governor John Husted, uh, joining us. Uh, thank you so much, sir. It's 1032. Obviously, we have a lot to catch up on right now on AM 1420, The Answer. Everybody Wants to Rule the World is the name of this song that we play uh, at this time every day. But only Amy Acton gets to do it. That's my takeaway. I don't know about you. Everybody Wants to Rule the World, but Amy Acton wins. She gets to make the rules. Uh, 1039, thanks for being with us. Thanks again. And I mean this sincerely to uh, Lieutenant Governor Husted. And if anybody, again, from his team... His uh, media folks, his uh, uh, supporters, uh, office workers, or whatever, were listening in advance of the interview to my um, critical questions that I was going to ask him and my criticism of the uh, DeWine administration's handling of all of this. Thank you for allowing him to do the interview anyway. And please make sure that he knows that I appreciate it. I'm going to give you my very quick analysis and my opinion of what I just heard from the lieutenant governor and then i will ask you for yours and i see the phone lines are already full so bear with me i'll get right to you but um i i sense a guy in lieutenant governor Husted who wanted to say a lot more than he could i heard a guy who really really wanted to say you're right bob but can't he he went to the edge of it he kind of tiptoed toward the edge of it a little bit when he talked about making my case for me and, and the need to get people back to work and living freely and, and, and a few different things. But he's limited because he works for Mike DeWine. And Mike DeWine is resting comfortably in the right pocket of Amy Acton's lab coat. And that's it. That's truly the bottom line. He didn't want to answer some of the questions because he knew his answers would get him in trouble. That's why I said you'd have to ask Dr. Acton. You'd have to ask Dr. Acton. I can't answer that. You'd have to answer. And and I don't I think he wanted to answer it. I do. I think Mike or excuse me, I think John Husted wanted to say a lot more in support of what we and I was asking for than he was allowed to say. Because Mike DeWine, who is his boss, would have uh Lord only knows what he would do. Mike DeWine is listening to nobody but uh, but Dr. Acton. I referenced <clears throat> I referenced uh, Bill Seitz, and uh, thanks to a friend for sending me this from the Columbus Dispatch this morning. Uh, headline, 
Well, actually, I lost the headline now. Sorry. But it's, it was an interview with Bill Seitz, who I had on the program last week, who is, uh, of course, uh, from Cincinnati. And um, Bill Seitz, the, the story, the headline of the article, <clears throat> which, again, I don't have in front of me, was basically that, uh, according to Ohio legislators, Republican legislators, Mike DeWine is listening too much and relying too much on Amy Acton. And this is what Bill Seitz said. Asked if DeWine was leaning too heavily on the guidance of Acton, Seitz said, I do. <clears throat> She has tunnel vision, and that's appropriate. Her job is director of the Department of Health, so she's looking at this through the lens of what it is, what is optimal for public health. But I think she is not sufficiently cognizant about the damage this has done to our economy. Cites the number three ranking member in the House, added, <clears throat> she's got a job to do, but it can't be the sole determinant of what we do. It's time to walk back the heavy hand of government, which is ill-suited to ordering the entire economy around uh, for any length of time and realize that we are not going to cower in our basements forever. It's time to get on with life. People have to earn a paycheck. <clears throat> Excuse me. Eventually, the legislature site said, could take a look at um, the law that gives Amy Acton the power to make these decisions. He said, quote, Amy Acton probably had the legal authority under this overly broad statute written 100 years ago to order the polls to be closed. I think it would be a mistake. But she had the legal authority to do that. When this is all over, we will be looking very carefully at the statute to see what lessons we learned here and if it's appropriate or not to require some curbs on the power of the Department of Health director. He went on to say, otherwise, you've, been, uh, you've given pretty much untrammeled power to an unelected bureaucrat. I think that's a dangerous thing. The problem I have with it is the total lack of formal legislative input or oversight. Not trying to fault Dr. Acton necessarily here, I'm simply trying to say that down the road when this is all over, we will probably take a long measured look at the statute and see how it can be updated. So there's somebody in, in Columbus, in the State House, that is in agreement with me and many others that Amy Acton's power is far too great, far too broad. And Mike DeWine is letting her wield it with a giant sledgehammer. Um, and, and he's again, he's, not, he's barely putting up a fight. Now, Lieutenant Governor Houston said many times, "Oh, Lieutenant, I mean, uh, Governor Dewine, you know, is is fully in charge here, and he's the one who, uh, you know, is responsible and owns all of this." Okay, well, that means he owns Amy Acton's decisions, and Amy Acton's decisions are destroying the, this state. And Mike Dewine is doing nothing to stand up to her. Like I said, barely putting up a fight, tucked neatly into her lab coat pocket. And that's a problem. And I truly believe, based on my interview now, uh, just now with Lieutenant Governor Houston, that if he did have the shackles removed from him, he would have had a lot more to say than what he said. And he would have been in agreement with you and me and others who believe it's time, long past time, to open up the state of Ohio. All right, to the phones. Uh, let's go to um, where? Wayne County. That's where. Sue, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for joining us. Go right ahead. Hi, thanks for uh, letting me speak. Um, My pleasure. I'm going to try to keep this very brief, but I'm going to give you some links to verify everything I'm telling you. Um, I'm a medical biller. I work in long-term care. I've done this for over 10 years. And I'm seeing a direct correlation from these COVID-19 diagnosis, uh, nursing homes, cause of death, and also treatment um, reporting requirements. Um, So I also have friends that work in other offices and different nursing homes have told me the same thing. Basically, the administrator is just trying to get the most reimbursement for the nursing home. 
So since there's re- relaxed reporting requirements for the Medicare, um, they are just going ahead and putting that on the claim. So what happens is me- Medicare gets that diagnosis, and by do um, cost reporting and everything, when they bill the claims and they have so many, um, like I said, it's been about 30 days now. Right. Um, the, uh, they get the requirements, they look at the reporting, and that's where the health department gets some of this information bars the claims. So it's like a uh, vicious cycle. Like the health department's basically... The well, there's a pro- the in other words, there's a profit motive. There's a profit motive here oh, to... yes, it is. It's all about yeah. money. And I could lose my job for talking about this, but I, I feel like I, I can't stand and see that people think their relatives and loved ones have died from this virus when they haven't. Yeah. Um, and I it, it, and again, just if I may, if I may, because I want to get a few other people on here. Um, it, it, what you're saying, if I'm hearing you correctly, is uh, the way they code things, the way they the way they report things, it's to make sure because they get they they get a certain amount of money from Medicare, as you said, for each COVID case or COVID patient, and so therefore they're they're they are uh, using the medical codes, uh, saying people are dying of COVID when they are really not, only because again, there's a profit motive here. Well, they're not even testing them. I had somebody that was already a long-term care resident, um, had just recently died. He had other comorbidities or other conditions. Sorry, mm-hmm. they had other court conditions. Right. And the family member requested tests, requested maybe the HCQ and any other things because they said it. They wouldn't even treat them. They let them die when they never even did an autopsy. She's burying him. It's just so in the, the medical director wouldn't talk to the family. Nobody would talk to them, and we were just told to shut up. Um, and I can't, I, these people are misled. And that's why, if you think about it, and all these sites I'm going to tell you to go to, Medicare.gov or CMS.gov is where we go for our Medicare billing. All our billers are required. Medicare usually has guidelines, so like a three-day rule, prior authorization requirements for Medicare to bill. Before a person can come into a nursing home and be treated, there usually has to have all these requirements. Mm-hmm. But... According to the, they call it a blanket waiver through CMS. And I got, if you bear with me, I'm going to just go on my computer. Um, there's a memo put out, uh, CMS.sub files on 3 5 2020, but it dated 3 23. Prior authorization, it says consistent with flexibilities available to Medicare Advantage organizations. And I won't go into all the rest, but it yeah. says all the different plans and services may choose to waive plan. Plans, prior authorization requirements that otherwise would apply to tests or services related to COVID-19. So basically, they're doing whatever they want to these right. residents and not having any accountability because it's a free check. It's a blank check to a nursing home. But that no is, one can get reimbursement that is exactly. claim. Yeah, that that is exactly what people need to know. And I'm so and Sue, I thank you for your phone call. I'm so glad you called. I hope Sue is not your real name because you're right. You probably would lose your job if people found out you were letting the public know about this. And I'm glad you did. And I hope you call us again with more information like that because people do need to know there is an ulterior motive here for this, a motive here for this. And that's why you cannot trust any of the numbers. I told my, I mean, uh, John Husted. That Amy Acton predicted 98,000 cases a day. We haven't even had 17,000. We've had just over 17,000 cases so far in six, seven weeks since this whole thing began. And those are even inflated because of the things that Sue just said and the number of deaths inflated because of what Sue just said. There's money to be made on classifying or coding things as COVID. Uh, and they don't even have to test them. John is in Chardon on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, John. Go ahead. 
Yeah, Bob, earlier in the program when you had Peter Kersenow on, mm-hmm. he said the, the, the uh, deaths, overall deaths in Ohio this year are less than they were in the past two years. I'm wondering if that word overall includes deaths from the virus or or not. Now, you may not be able to address that, but... Yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, no, it's a good question, John, and thank you for the call. I don't have an answer to that question, but it is, uh, it is, it is a good one. Um, there are a lot of questions, obviously, that I asked that were not answered as well. And again, I feel like John Husted's hands are tied in a lot of ways there. That doesn't abdicate him, by the way, from his role in this whole thing. When I asked him, you know, what do you mean I have to talk to Acton? Aren't you guys on the same team? Don't you guys communicate every time she wants to make one of these orders? So, uh, you know, he still owns this a little bit, even though he kept saying Mike DeWine owns it. He's got to own this a little bit, too. But I also feel like uh, this this guy is kind of working in a place where he doesn't agree with everything that's going on, but he is not at liberty to say so. Right back after this. Okay, 1054, final segment of the broadcast. Uh, I want to get a couple of other reactions to the... Uh, interview that we did with Lieutenant Governor Husted. We'll go to Donnie in Euclid. Donnie, you're on the air. Go ahead. Morning, Bob. Good morning, Donnie. Uh, I, um, I'm just curious because I, uh, I, I'm not surprised about the fact that uh, the uh, governor and this Amy Acton, who uh, had little girls pretending to be her because she was such an idol, now, all of a sudden, they extended the stay, which means that I'm going to be feeling like a prisoner in this clinic for another month. And what I want to know is, what happens if people say the hell with these stay-at-home orders and go out? Do they have a cadre of jack-booted, nightstick-willed, and brown shirts that are going to that are going to go after people that 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 don't adhere to these orders? They've done it in some places. <clears throat> They've done it, yes. Um, you know, where they send, and cops hate this, of course, because they want nothing to do with this. This is just what they're ordered to do, uh, and they can't put their own jobs at risk. But, but yes, um, what they have done is they have gone to people who have not followed the stay-at-home order, and they have ordered them to disperse and return to their homes or whatever. You know, it's whether it be kids play or a, a father and a daughter playing ball in the park with her, you know, uh, with one another, to uh, uh, people, uh, you know, on canoes for crying out loud, you're not allowed to be out here. This park is closed. So yeah, they are going to send people out to do that, and that's why the stay-at-home home order, which I said to uh, Governor or uh, Lieutenant Governor Husted, is in such contradiction. With the, uh, we're going to reopen some of the businesses on May 12th. How can you extend an order that says people must stay home? But by the way, we're opening businesses that you can't go to because you're ordered to stay at home. There's so much contradiction there. He didn't have an answer for that. You say, you know, uh, well, I don't read the stay at home orders as you do. It's more of a suggestion. No, it isn't. It's an order by the director of health, and people have indeed been um, approached by police and made to follow it. So that's one of the most frustrating things. Donnie, stay, thank you for the call, my friend. Stay, stay strong, buddy. Stay strong. Uh, let's go to um, how about Bob in Parma on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Bob. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Yes, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Certainly. I know you're getting near the end of your show, but I just want to say I'm mad as hell. And I'm not going to take it anymore. Sound familiar from the movie Network? Sure, sure. I know it very well. And, I'm, and I feel the same way. 
But on the other side, on the flip side, how do we not take it other than appealing to reason and common sense with our with our top state officials? And I've had conversations now with the top two officials in the state, the governor and the, the, the lieutenant governor, uh, in the last two weeks, because it was two weeks ago that I had DeWine and then I had Husted today. And I'm appealing to their sense of reason with facts that cannot be disputed, and they are continuing to act the way that they are. I don't know what the answer is either, but I'm with you, my friend. I'm mad as hell. I just don't know what to do about it anymore. Yes, because they know that the majority of the people that are dying from this virus over the age of 65 have been confined in either the prisons or the nursing homes. Therefore, the virus had to be brought into that environment, and those people got sick because the air continually gets to be recycled in their tiny little cubicle rooms. They don't get out, don't get any fresh air, don't get any sunlight. It's ridiculous. So why are the rest of us that are 65 or older confined to not being able to get out of our own homes? Well, think about what you just said. Think about what you just said, and you're 100% right, Bob, and thanks for the call. Uh, Here's what you said that is important. You said these people are confined to these uh, little enclosed places. They can't even get out and get fresh air. You're right. And what would getting out and getting fresh air do? It would make you healthier because the disease is in floating in the wind for crying out loud, dispersing. Uh, all of the medical professionals that professionals have said that in those tight enclosed spaces, you are much more likely to be infected. And yet they're telling you to stay in the enclosed spaces and not get out in the fresh air where it's dispersed. It's just insane. The, the, the backwards logic that is being uh, used by our officials is, is simply insane. All right, I'm out of time. I wish I could say more, but I can't. I need a third hour, but I can't make that decision. Stay here. Mike Gallagher's next. Enjoy we'll see. the silence.